Welcome to another fine installment, folks, of Anarchy in Space. How are we doing today, Eric? Uh, doing pretty super. We're going to talk some fucking sci-fi today, huh? Yes, we are. Got the uh, second episode of the season one of The Expanse, uh, titled The Big Empty, coming up. Is, is it empty? <laughs> it's, it's the biggest empty. That's a great song, by the way. Look. It is. One of my favorite uh, Stone Temple Pilot songs. I had a friend who's like, "Oh, they're just a Pearl Jam knockoff," and I'm like, "Pearl Jam would be so much better if they were a quarter of the band that fucking Stone Temple <laughs> Pilots are." Exactly. God, it was always weird to me. He he was like a he, an authentic '90s kid. Like he grew up in the '90s and like was a teenager and stuff. Right. He's like 12 years older than me, so he's kind of has opinions that are different. Um, anyways, so yeah, I, I had to go, I've actually watched this one twice in the past because I forgot, I had to go back and watch to see how far in the storyline episode two went. Right. So I watched it just a little bit ago to refresh myself on it. <laughs> and it is, uh, it was a, it's a pretty interesting interview. A pretty interesting episode, sorry. What, what, are, what are your big takeaways from this one going into it? Uh, <clears throat> this one, it was uh, a little more of the, uh, well, we got some exposition to deal with, um, but we got introduced to uh, the Julie Mao character that uh, Detective Miller is going after. What else was going on in this episode? Because it's been now like a couple of weeks since I've watched it. Um, trying to deal with the aftermath of the uh, the Canterbury blowing up and how it's kind of getting talked about all over the place. Like uh, one of those Remember the Alamo type movies. Oh, no, no, not quite. Oh, you're getting ahead of not us. Not quite. Yep. It, it, getting ahead of us? Yeah, oh, okay. literally the... Uh... The ending of this episode is literally as they're sending out or as he's sending out the message. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. For for me, most of this episode I think is the really important stuff to take away is for us at least and the stuff that I like to talk about is all of the Detective Miller stuff. Um, yeah. Because it, it's it's dealing with a lot of the things that are going on. Uh, it's series, right, that they're on? Right. The series station. Yeah. Like, for instance, they've got the one guy – who's like the governor of Ceres and some of his plants are dying because they're stealing water is one of the, yeah. is the, one of the things. So he's got to go and kind of find out who's stealing water and do cop shit. Um, I was really pay- taking note of the fact that he also, when he goes to Julie's apartment and he learns more about Julie Mao, like he just uses his little key card to enter her domicile with a police yeah. override. Cause you know, they're just allowed in wherever. Right. That was real interesting. Um, I, it was real interesting the manner in which when he did find the people who were stealing water, his reaction to that moment, which which yeah, that was uh, which was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, because it was like, uh, yeah, you don't make it so obvious that you're stealing water. Yeah, you fucking idiots do steal yeah, like, steal better. <laughs> yeah, it's like, huh? Was this amateur Howard? You don't you don't do it to where the governor notices there's a brown spot in his grass. Yeah. And it's weird is because they're not stealing that much water like that. It gives you an idea of like the scarcity that we're truly dealing with in here. Right. And so what you were talking about is like in the next episode, they'll, they're going to have like a remember the Alamo kind of thing, which becomes a rallying cry for the belters or the OPA types. But the reason right. that this all happens and the reason that video happens is because 
they're out there. They're lost in space. Their ship's just been blown up, and they're trying to find some way to get back to civilization so they don't die in space. And they, right. they manage to get the radio working, and then the radio finally manages to get somebody who calls in. And who does it call in but the same people that they believe blew up the ship that they were just on. Right. And so in an effort to kind of leverage what's happening, uh, he – what's his name there? Um, gets on the – Horn, and he basically sends out like an SOS to everyone, a video detailing what happened in the situation they're about to enter. Yeah, as the uh, Holden character, I think. Yeah, Holden. I keep wanting to call yeah. him Holt for some reason, um, but no, it's Holden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he sends it out this SOS. They don't think even at this episode, we don't they we don't even know that it gets out. I think until the very very tail end, because the the idea is, oh well, they were we were within jamming range, so nobody caught that. Right. But the the important thing here is that the people that they believe are coming, they they believe are the Martians who are here to start a war or are, you know, here to kill them for knowing too much about what happened. They think that Martians blew up the ship because the only people that would have the kind of technology necessary to do that, they believe, are the Martians. You'll hear it talked about a lot in the episodes, the Martian stealth technology, because apparently, technologically speaking, the Martians are the, the most advanced technological society there is. And and because it's a communist state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they compare everything to the Martian tech. Yeah. So for me, once again, I, I, I can't believe I didn't notice this. I noticed the whole Martian great red state thing when we were talking about it, <laughs> like before that. <laughs> like it's so, so stupid, obvious. But in a lot of ways, they do treat the Martians kind of like that. Where like there's a an amount of reverence, but there's also a certain amount of let's handle this with kid gloves kind of situation because yeah you know clearly they're they're doing things but we don't agree with why they're doing things so yeah they've got this great stealth technology but we don't trust them and we think they're an evil government so we don't want them to have stealth technology is the idea yeah it's kind of like one of those uh, dangerous things yeah <laughs> well it's it's one of those interesting to me it's some of the most interesting stuff is the way that like cuz you can you can totally find the analogies for that Today, I mean, look, look at uh, Iran, look at China, look at the way, Russia, look at the ways we deal with any of these things. Any movement as far as like actual technological advancement, any of those places is viewed with, you know, a serious case of side eye at best. Yeah. You know, n n nobody, nobody's like, oh, great, more advancement for human civilization or something great for the world. It's always, okay, well, how are they going to use this to fuck us over? Yeah, we even get it in the uh, the gun debate. You know, well, the founding fathers wouldn't have been envisioned an AR-15. Therefore, the Second Amendment doesn't apply to them. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's real frustrating because it's already bad enough that these, you know, large organizations known as governments siphon so much of our fucking wealth out of us and our grandkids and all the kids and generations to come to make these fucking these war technologies like what kind of good technologies could have been created with all that wealth they fucking stripped away from yeah. you me and our kids but it's almost like add insult to injury that we're not even we can't even we can't even be happy about somebody advancing human civilization in some way because it's all got to be undercut by these fucking little tribal bullshit battles. Yeah. Especially since Earth is run by the UN in the show. It's, it's a little more apparent on that. And you're like, oh, God. You know, this show should have been taking place like 100 years into the future if there was, you know, no government to get in the way of, you know, new technology and everything. But no, it takes place 400 years in the future. So, yeah. Um, so 
there's all that that's going on, but that's kind of like an undercurrent that we haven't quite gotten into it. Um, there yeah. is a there's this, an interesting scene in there with uh, Havasarala where she's kind of getting dressed down for her what do you call it enhanced interrogation techniques. Yeah, yeah, using band torture techniques on one of the uh, on the guy that couldn't handle the Earth's gravity. Yeah, that we talked about in the last episode where she just kind of hung him there by his arms and you know just Earth. Earth gravity's pull was just enough to to give him a excruciating pain. You know, yeah, yeah. So. But God damn it, we're the UN, and our Secretary General is against those types of uh, interrogations. Yeah, and um, and she only did that because she believed that the uh, the OPA was going to work with Mars to to attack Earth. I, I guess was her original uh, yeah thinking. There'll be more on that. Like <sighs> it, this, it's this is one of those things you get to see. Because if you if you see her in the show, like you get the she's not a bad person. That's that's so much of what this is about is that you have a bunch of people who are making the best decisions they think they can make given you know the situation, and she believes this is the best choice that she can make because she thinks right. she she has the vision that she has and she sees the world one way, and you know because she can't see everything, she's just making these making half-informed decisions, which is basically all any of us actually do. It doesn't right. become a problem until you have serious power. And and you're, you'll later find out, like, I don't even, I don't think it's in this episode, that what she did has no moral backing because she end, you end up finding out, well, no, no, what she thinks happened isn't at all what happened, provably. So she tortured a, a man for no fucking reason. Yeah, dude. Didn't really know anything. It just it happened to be that he was uh, a member of this OPA yeah. uh, group, which you know the the UN is going to consider a terrorist organization. Well, because you know anyone who wants freedom from your organization is clearly a terrorist organization. Uh, clearly, <laughs> which like so obvious. Which is <laughs> God. It's so much why I love this, like love this show and what it represents because it it drives home. It really makes you have to think about who's who and what, why they do what they do and what they believe. Right. Um, you know, I, I, it's on my mind that uh, at the week of this recording, we just had Trump sign a fucking deal with the Taliban over in the middle East. Yeah. And in 14 months we'll pull out now. Sure. Now I'm sure not, not holding my breath that that's going to fucking happen. Right. But it, it really makes you like, think about, well, what the fuck did the Taliban do in any regards to this in the first fucking place? Yeah. It wasn't the Taliban that, that, that burned, you know, or destroyed the, uh, the twin towers. Like, but yeah, it just, it, it gets you thinking about the motivations of sides and why people who you believe to be one thing are something else. Now for, you know, libertarians or anarchists, it's not a, a new thing to have to think about this. Cause that's essentially how most of us look at all of our, you know, all people, we, we look to incentives incentives drive everything and so the best way to make the most informed decisions we can is to really analyze the incentives that everybody has um but in so many shows when they do this stuff number one they always kind of make it an, a good versus evil situation as opposed to a situation with you know multiple sides and people all having their own different motivations and kind of looking at each other through those motivations you know, there is no good and evil in any of this. There's just a whole bunch of people in a fucking mess. Yeah, it's uh, very apparent that there's a lot of uh, self-interest that goes along with some of the decisions that are made by the characters in the show. Um, um, 
even if they represent a larger organization, you know, they just, well, I'm doing this to secure this, my little uh, fiefdom that I've carved out in this organization, you know, type of thing. Well, and, and they, um, they make it a point throughout the show to like show you'll have, they, Test. No. they don't focus only on the time where they're actually doing the, the politics. You know, you'll see Navasarala with her husband and her grandkids and things like that. And you know that she has a son who was a soldier. And, like, you get to see that they're human beings and they have relationships and that they're they're not just this fucking political moniker that they wear. Yeah. And to me, it's it's such an important thing to sit there and realize is that you're talking to a person, maybe a person with different beliefs, but a person nonetheless. Yeah, there's a little bit deep in the uh, the character than just on the surface that uh, oh she's just the you know bureaucrat in the in the UN <laughs> type of thing. And don't get me wrong, I, I hate fucking bureaucrats and governments and all that. But we yeah. all we can't it's something that we do as as anarchists all the time is tend to forget that they're still fucking people. And it's not like the greatest indoctrination and structure greatest indoctrination structure that's ever been created hasn't been you know, dictating their thoughts for the past lifetime. Yeah, it was um, said on another podcast that I was listening to. It's uh, about, you know, why not to tear down somebody who's a vet, you know, when they come back from the wars. And it's like, well, you should have thought about this. I was like, well, except, you know, they spent 12 years in public school. And then, you know, government training for another couple of years on top of that, you know, all in their formative years. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've said it before, trying to overcome a lot of brainwashing. Yeah, you know, that's that's going to be difficult. I mean, you can't beat them up too much about it. Now, if there's one thing, if they realize what they're doing is wrong, and then they continue, uh, you know, continue to do it, that's another thing. But uh, yeah, in this case, it's uh, at least in the show, it's uh, you know, you got uh, Miller who's uh, you know just doing his detective stuff and just trying to do like bare minimum. We even saw when someone's stealing water. You know, that's a, that's a necessity that all humans need. And, of course, on the series station, they have to ration it out. And just because the guy that's in charge notices that there's a, a brown patch in his grass, you know. Well, and, oh my, and they get in, they, they hint at some of the class struggle elements of this because there's the, the yeah. moment where the guy looks at him. He's, you know, he's like, I wish people or the, the governor's like, I wish people could see, you know, what they're what they do, how it affects things. And and the other cop. In response to him is like, well, maybe if they had your view, they could. And and it's set up in a very literal way in the show that if they could see out of your window and see all of that beautiful grass and foliage out there, maybe they would understand. But, you know, they don't have your perspective because they're not the governor of this place. Yeah. And then didn't he hand him like a cactus or something? Yeah. And then it is a smug yeah. way to kind of get back yeah. and hands him a fucking cactus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sure, it's green, I guess. <laughs> it was like, wow. I, well, no, that, that it was meant to be a joke. Like, it was, it was, it was, yeah. it was meant to be a fuck you, you know? Yeah. I do the best I can in my position. And I don't, I don't necessarily believe that he's wrong. It's just, yes, it's a position that nobody should have. So even your best doesn't cut it. Right. I'm not one, you know, I'm not one to discredit anyone who has a class struggle concept because you know in our current system fucking the underclasses are robbed blind by the overclasses because we have the political structure that helps them out i don't necessarily think that makes people evil so much as 
everyone's going to try their best to do for them to help those in their circle of influence and those like you, I, you're going to do whatever you can to do the best by your family and your friends and the people that you know. Yeah, it just happens to be wealthy people know other wealthy people, <laughs> and so you know, and uh, usually some of those wealthy people are in in the halls of government. Yes, so. you know, and so if you have a way to facilitate making more, people just take that. They don't see it as stealing because you know it's just oh well the rules are the rules and you know if I have a way to change the rules and why wouldn't I try to change the rules? You'd try to change the rules if you could, right? Yeah, exactly. The problem is is that without being able to affect the 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 rule system you kind of get fucked over by it and the more power you centralize and give to and authority and the smaller that loci is then the more you know those who don't have you know don't have that power lose out in the deep and so for like the marxists and the bernie sanders people like i get the plight man like i get it i understand it i'd like to be doing better i'd like to have the system less tapped going in or less tipped going in the other direction but that's not something that you can do without changing the apparatus and you can't force it Yeah, because the fact of the matter is, is if you force it, then you're just going to create people on the other side. You know, once again, it all boils down to blowback. You know, you can try and force racial beliefs on people, but you're going to have blowback. You can try and force your gender beliefs on people, but you're going to have blowback. You need to, like, that's always my big thing with like, with the leftists that aren't me is that they want change so fast that it blows up the equilibrium yeah they don't they they kind of like uh do the you know damn the maneuvers just head straight at them well it's like i would love to see racism not be a thing anymore but you know how the best and the worst way to do that is is to try and force fucking people to not be racist yeah or constantly be reminded of it yeah yeah it's like oh yeah by the way remember america is racist i was like okay yeah but how i conduct myself on my day-to-day life is not you know well after all i just see people as people and that's it you know, I don't even really care one way or the other. It's it's incredibly frustrating for me because I'm not allowed to defend myself when my family didn't move here until the fucking 1920s. So yeah. I'm not sure how much of slavery I had a part of. And then when my family did move over here, oh, wait, we were Irish and Italians. So Yeah, you weren't even considered white back then. So. <laughs> my family wasn't fucking white when we moved over here. <laughs> so it's it's incredibly frustrating. But I'm not allowed to have I'm not allowed to defend myself in this case because then I'm just, you know. Well, but it's a system, and because I, I pass for white now, I'm benefiting from it. Yeah. Ugh. I'll tell you, man, it's rough out there. <laughs> well, no, it's not. That's the point. It's not fucking rough. I don't think my life's that hard. I don't. I think people want to try and, I think people want to try and make my life harder, <laughs> and I would prefer oh, yeah, they didn't do that. That's definitely for sure. And you know what? And I'd like <laughs> to help in my, well, the ways that I can make their lives not as hard. But I also think that they think their lives are a lot harder than they actually are. That is very true. Not to get too much into this um i had a friend who showed me a a post that one of their friends made about natural hair and why there's a how there's going to be a law in california that you can't yeah, you can't I, you can't discriminate on I've natural seen hair. this thing and i was like wow how is this even a thing but that's the point it's fucking not it's not a thing <laughs> the thing that's frustrating to me is that the person who posted this is a is a, is a black woman with a master's yeah. degree who is highly sought after by companies for her skill set and she has done very very well for herself complaining about something that clearly wasn't an issue it has not affected her in the least in accomplishing what she's accomplished yeah she's doing far better Uh, than me as a white man is in life (laughs) and i don't begrudge her that she deserves every fucking ounce of that but it's it's frustrating to try and see that as being something it's not 
yeah, I have never heard of that until until I saw that article. And I was like, no, this can't be a thing. <laughs> well, this is completely made up. Well, and, and I'm not going to say it does happen. There's ignorant people everywhere, but it's oh, yeah, not so fucking sure. widespread and rampant. There are a lot of it more, stems more from cultural differences. Like they don't just people. Wow. White people don't understand it because, oh, wait, you won't fucking talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about black people's hair with black people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they don't fucking understand it. I yeah, yeah I think that everyone should go out of their way and go fucking listen to uh, or go watch Good Hair. It's a very good movie. Um, yeah. It helped you understand a lot. But the point is, is that, yes, there is a degree to which it does affect people. The law isn't going to change anything. It's just going to make people yeah. feel like they're not allowed to. People on the other side are now being pushed around in ways that they don't want to be pushed around. Yeah. Can't make people do things that they don't want to do. So. And if they have to do those things that they don't want to do, just, you know, be expecting problems after that. So. I think that we spent a lot more time with Miller in this episode than doing a lot of the other stuff. And it's yeah. in Miller that so much of the stuff, it's the, it's our first like real exposure to Miller being a cop. Yeah. And, and I, I love the idea because they play him like a fucking cop. Like they don't make him out to be a good guy. They make him out to be a guy doing a fucking job, trying to make his job as easy as he can. Yeah. You know, and get whatever benefits out of that job that he can. I, I don't necessarily think he's a bad guy, but he's sure as hell not a good guy. You know, he's more than happy yeah, but, to let the criminals steal as long as, you know, he gets his piece and they nobody fucking notices. Yeah. Um, was it also this episode where somebody caught him coming out of Julie Mal's apartment? And it was like, well, no, I like the water pressure in there better. <laughs> you know, indicating that he was using his power and privilege to... I was like, yeah, you know, she may be murdered somewhere, but I'm just going to go ahead and use her water rations. Oh yeah, no, that was that. That's that. I don't. I, I don't know if they specifically show that that mo exact moment is, but I, probably yeah. I know that like while he's in there, like he, in, in in the beginning of the episode, I think it even opens up with him taking a shower and like he's all covered in fucking soap and shampoo, and his water pressure gets cut off because of water rationing. Like midway, yeah. <laughs> so it definitely said, and you can tell he was like. Oh. You know, damn it. Yeah, and so when he's at, in her apartment, he chooses to take a fucking, you know, wash his hair out with her water pressure because, you know, well, she's yeah. not going to use it. You know, she might be dead somewhere. Right, exactly. It's not, you know, why not? No, no, no loss here. Yeah, so if we're if we're operating off of the eighty twenty rule, where there's going to be eighty percent of those doing that job, to like to the best of their ability, Miller is definitely in that twenty percent who are just going to skate by by doing bare minimum. Yeah. Um. I, I mean. For the elements of society, like, you know, they, it's such a good view of the black markets in that, yeah, yeah. You're, you, you're right. You might be able to kind of get away with the cops because some people are going to believe your cause. They're going to side with you. They're going to not try and make your day miserable. But there's always that line, and there's a confusion in that you can't guarantee where that line is for everybody. And so there's a lot of gray area. Yeah. You know, clearly – They've been doing this. It's, there's some kind of agreement with him and the people that have done it, and he lets it happen. So he clearly doesn't believe in it for a fundamentalist, you know, view. It's just you know that's the way things are done. But it becomes his problem when he can't ignore it anymore. Yeah. And and that that's kind of like that's so much. You look at like what's going on right now with red flag laws around the country, and you have like these sanctuary cities, and everyone's like, oh, well, we're two a sanctuary, and we're not going to enforce these laws. <laughs> And and I believe that those police officers actually believe that. Those sheriffs yeah. do believe it. The problem is that that's true up until there's a point where they they can't ignore it. And, you know, and they may choose to do – I can't remember who was uh, Mance's uh, guest recently that was a cop who actually stopped being a cop 
when he could no longer be a cop the way he wanted to. But that's not everyone. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was like a regular beat cop. And now I'm like blanking on his name. But uh, essentially what he would do is when he would get on to shift, he would just pick up who was supposed to be arrested that day for some kind of property crime. And he kind of focused only on that. And then he even got called in. He goes, well, you don't write many tickets. And he goes, no, I'm known for the quality arrest guy. You know, it was like, well, you're gonna have to get out there and write some tickets. So he would get out on the street and just have his lights going to slow everybody down and then leave. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that kind of guy. But I forget what the. But the thing is, is, you know, he was he was doing that as a retired police officer from the NYPD. And so he didn't have a need for the job. You have people that need that job. They may not be so willing to just say, fuck it and leave. He quit when he had they told me to start writing tickets. Yeah. When he couldn't ignore it anymore or couldn't avoid it anymore, what they wanted him to do. He said, fuck it, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, not too many people are in that same position. No, not at all. So, you know, it's it's the problem is, is that you can't run. There's uncertainty in that, that you can't run a business in, in a meaningful way. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's a, definitely the Joe Miller character. He's gotten to a point where he can't skate by anymore. Yeah, he can't ignore this, this, you. Uh, Julie Mal case has kind of kind of piqued his interest a little bit more than, the, you know, going after water thieves and breaking up fights and stuff. But, you know, we'll see where that lands him later on. But <laughs> I'm trying to think there was I think. OK, so we get to that covers most of the episode. I think the last thing we had to get to is where is the actual the core story driver here, which is that. So they see at the last minute that the ship that they just hailed to come pick them up on the on this shuttle. Yeah, it's a Martian ship that they believe, you know, is, so what he does and this is, is a way to get leverage is that he details what happened to the ship and the crew and what's happening now. Now, next episode is going to be real fun because we see see where that leads things. Yeah. But, you know, this was his insurance policy. Yeah, it was kind of a way to make sure that, you know, they were going to remain alive on board a Martian uh, naval ship. Yeah. Now, there's also some interesting stuff. Like, at this point, they don't know that their guy, <laughs> their <laughs> their pilot is Martian. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are going to come out in the next episode that are real interesting. I guess my 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 th- thoughts are in this whole scenario. What do you what do you what do you think about like that action? Where this is a potential way to start a fucking war. Yeah, this is a. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where it doesn't really matter what move you're going to make. It, it's going to hurt type of thing. So if you don't send it, you know, then the Martians may actually end up just spacing you because you're now a witness to something that they did. If that, if that's what you believe. Yeah. Uh, you send it out and, you know, you don't have perfect knowledge of the unintended consequence that people in the OPA are going to rally behind this blowing up of the, uh, of the Canterbury as a, uh, as a rallying cry. And then as far as Earth is involved, we're all kind of suspecting that Earth is somehow involved, you know, in some kind of way. But yeah, that's kind of one of those, you have many moves to make, but all of them are going to suck. Just, just as a point of note, we keep, we, we, we kind of ignore this, but we're ignoring the fact that Luna, as it's called, is a place. Yeah. And it kind of is its own sort of power structure. Mm-hmm. Luna is obviously the name for the moon, which is, I believe that's where, what's her name's parents are from? The Julie Mao's, correct? Yeah, Julie Mao's uh, wealthy father. And and I got the impression that Luna is basically like a a rich people's kind of planet, so to speak. Like that's that's the idea I've gotten from it. It kind of exists yeah. off world as sort of like a gated community for the hyper wealthy. Yeah, so kind of a similar concept to that uh, movie Elysium, where the uh, space station was above Earth, so they can look down upon it, you know, type of thing. Or Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> 
Yeah, or Alita Battle Angel. Or basically every <laughs> fucking system that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, yes, we're, we're just going to float above you. And yeah. Literally look down our noses at you. <laughs> um, but you, you, you now you have a bunch of people put in horrible fucking situations, making making things worse for no other reason than people are not being honest. People are not like they're allowing governments to hide fucking secrets from each other. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, the fucking abolish the CIA like right right now. There's no good that can come of it. There's no, none of us are safer. No one else anywhere in the world is safer. Yeah, it's definitely one of those organizations that should not have ever been in the first place. Kind of like the FBI. Or, or you know, like the entirety of the U.S. government, you know, which was a coup against the fucking uh, much better government that existed before it. Yeah, the Articles of Confederation. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, the ones that didn't give anywhere near the amount of authority that has been usurped by the current Constitution. Yeah, because the Articles of Confederation, there was no centralized power. Yeah. Oh, boy. We could probably go off on several episodes on that just by itself. I mean, I, dude, there's it's, I, dude, that's why that's why I, I I will stand by like this is such a good show to talk about because there's just so much in there. Like, there's so many yeah. topics that they kind of hint at, and as time goes on, they flesh them out in their own way. But yeah. you know, it's, there's so much shit you can like. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of meat to chew on in these episodes, especially building up. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. Like we're, we 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 were two episodes in, and like just dealing with the socioeconomic conditions of the fucking world and like the political instability. Is, <laughs> yeah, like at a certain point, you just have to fucking call the episode because it's just like, okay, I'm I could keep going. There's plenty there, but like, who the hell wants to listen to six hour episodes about all this shit? <laughs> yeah, that's how you know that there's good writing is if you can. Debel, uh, you know, divide off into like several different hours of uh, of looking into it. You know, it's uh, pretty crazy. How far along did you end up getting into the show so far? Last I talked, you were at like episode four of season two. He, I'm still kind of in the same spot. So okay. uh, I plan on watching a few episodes uh, today and tomorrow uh, to get a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just gotta kind of go with it as I can get time for it. No, 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 I get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I. For me, I'm so excited for people to catch up to where I'm at on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which means you need to buy a bunch of books and listen to those too. But yeah, there is also a, a book series. Uh, what's the author's last name? Corey, I think. It's actually two guys. Oh, it's two guys. Yeah, okay. and if you read it, it looks like one name, but I think it's like a combination of their names. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would that would make sense then. But there, uh, like, there's a lot of books. It's not even like there's a few books. I I think there's something like fucking. There might be like fifty different books in the series at this point. Damn. Um, because you have like all of the main core story books, but then at a certain point they started writing like books that are in canon, but not exactly part of the core story. Yeah, kind of around the outside, what's going on and they, over here while you were looking at over here. Yeah. Well, not even that. Like there's like there one like, there's an episode where the there's a certain drive that allows people to do like hyperspace in this uh, in the show, and they have an entire novella, I believe, dedicated to the guy who created that drive. Mm, okay. Now they do it as they do it in one of the episodes of the series is like kind of like a, a subplot to an episode. But yeah, no, it's got like a bunch of like novellas and stuff that jam in there. And I don't, to get people to understand, like the books are fucking massive. Like, so you're not gonna like get one done in a couple hours. It's a <laughs> and I, well, pretty thick books. I want to see like the audio books that I listen to. I think are all like eighteen, nineteen, twenty hours. Oh, nice. <laughs> like they're gigantic so like basically an entire season takes up about a book and they leave a lot out yeah yeah <laughs> definitely would seem like that 
there's only so much that you can film, I'm sure. Um, what's really exciting for me is that at a certain point, eventually we start learning more. We get it, get it more into the character of Amos, and he's my favorite character in the show. Yeah. But we got a couple right. of seasons. He's going to start featuring prominently. Yeah. We get a couple of seasons before that psychopath gets, uh, <laughs> gets to be front and center. <laughs> Season four has a lot to do with him. Yeah. Right now he's basically just uh what's her name's gopher. Um yeah. which is a moment that actually happens in the ship where he's sitting there, they're fixing it's him and Holden and they're fixing the antenna to try and, you know, hail uh, you know, hail somebody. You know, and he's just yeah, that was uh probably sometime we kinda of skipped over. They had to like uh their uh, airlock got damaged by some of the debris from the Canterbury. And so they've had to uh, expunge all of the atmosphere out of the uh, thing and just stay in uh, suits with uh, very little air supplies. You know, it's a. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's all the action parts about the show that happened, but fuck those. I don't I want to talk politics. <laughs> Um, but, but anyways, so Amos is out there and he's like explaining to Holden why he doesn't, he, he can't think of a good reason not to fucking push him off the, off of the ship right now into space and let him die. Other than it would probably piss off Naomi. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, I would rather just, you know, push you away. Yeah. Cause you're the one who caused all this. <laughs> but like the beauty of Amos as a character is that like, he says that without sounding menacing. Like, he just says it super matter-of-factly, like, this is the way I feel, and, you know. Yeah. But you kind of have to appreciate that kind of honesty and also be troubled by it at the same time. And and, and, I, and I I know it's coming with this character, so, like, I know it's totally going to make sense eventually, like... Yeah. I mean, Amos is a damaged person, but it's kind of like the damage that you see somebody going through given what they've been through. Yeah. So... so it totally makes sense in the end. Yeah. No, it doesn't make him any less of a psychopath. It just makes the it makes it gives reason for him being a psychopath. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I get it. So, all right, well, I think that's a good spot. Anything else you wanted to touch on for for today? Uh, no, let me just give like the technicals of it. Uh, I kind of did this last episode, and I guess we'll just continue with that. It's not something uh, I think about, so you uh, you be good at that. Yeah. All right, so this was uh, Season 1, Episode 2. Uh, title of the episode was The Big Empty. Uh, it was directed by Terry McDonough, who is a uh, British television director. Even did like a documentary on Doctor Who, which we talked about in the last episode. Oh, so, uh, uh, aired uh, December 15th, uh, 2015, and uh, had uh, about 875,000 viewers its first go around. So it's... Uh, uh, not as big as the uh, the first episode, but that's usually to be expected. I mean, usually as the episodes go on, it goes down and comes back up again. So, but uh, yeah, I think that'll well, do. Well, how much do you know about the history of this show in particular? I, I remember it being on the Sci Fi Channel, and um, then I remember reading a story or something where Amazon had picked it up for its fourth season. Yeah, it was. And that's pretty much it. Well, so it was basically like, first off. TV's dying, so like inevitably, shows are always going to have fewer and fewer episodes or fewer and fewer watchers, and yeah. and so the show itself, because nobody watches TV, it, it ended up getting canceled, and then the a lot of the people from like the fandom menace online, they kind of yeah. they started to bring back the the expanse yeah. and got it managed to get it trending on Twitter and like blow it up, and because Bezos is the sci fi guy that he is, like he managed to to pick it up, yeah. And, you know, in that fourth season, man, who, man, they pour it on like this shit gets good. <laughs> but, you know, well, good. Now I can't wait to get onto it. <laughs> so, so it's like it's not a it's one of the rare instances where 
people actually listen to the fans? Yeah, it doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, I mean, we got Family Guy back that way. Um, they kept Jericho on for another season uh, because of that kind of stuff uh, instead of this show, too. So. Our most recent, you know, listening to the fans, look at what happened with Sonic the Hedgehog. Look at, look at how much yes. money they made because they fucking actually listened to the fans who said, we're not going to go see your shitty movie if you don't fix this thing we don't like. Yeah. And then they fixed it. And that was it. just based on appearances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they fixed the thing they didn't like, and the fans did what they needed to do, and they showed up and said, thank you, by fucking actually buying tickets. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> you know, you've got other movies that sit and complain about the fans and then tell them that they're not real fans if they don't like it exactly the way they want it to be, as opposed to the way the fan wants it to be, and then are upset when they don't make any money. <laughs> yeah, um, looking at you, Harley Quinn. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to put it on here. All I hope is that the rumors are that Margot Robbie's production company has the rights to Tank Girl, and I hope to Christ they don't fuck up Tank Girl. Oh, I really, I mean, really hope. Can't we just re-release the one with Laurie Petty from like 1996? Just God, Laurie is so hot in that movie. Yes, and you know Laurie Petty yes. is such a badass in that fucking movie. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's the thing that's always so frustrating. Like, and I, it's my big soapbox. It's why I fucking season two of fucking <laughs> what's it called? Suck dicks. Season two of so good that you had to call it what's it called? No, Jessica Jones. Oh yeah, yeah. I loved season one of Jessica Jones because it did what you're supposed to do with a, a badass female character. Yeah, you just write her being a badass. But it, exactly. But season two of that show became at least once an episode of monologue about how I'm a piece of shit because I have a dick. Yeah, I I, I severely rolled my eyes. It was like women call it underwear, not panties. So I was like, oh. Jesus. I mean, that's the hill you're going to die on. Yeah, and I stopped watching four episodes into fucking season two of Jessica Jones because I, I'm not fucking dealing yeah. with shit. You, got, you, don't, you don't want me as a customer? That's fine. I won't watch it. Not, not a problem. Yeah, I can totally oblige you here. I will not watch your show. Which sucks because I fucking yeah. love the first one and I would have loved to have seen where that show went if you kept yeah. writing a good show and kept writing a badass female character. Yeah, and then, uh, and then with uh, Iron Fist, they did the exact opposite. Like, the first season wasn't all that great. The second season was like, oh, you're going to completely turn it around before you cancel it. Oh, really? Because I, I never even bothered watching it because I... <laughs> <laughs> my my issue with that show is they they had a guy who doesn't who who isn't capable of convincingly fighting doing the yeah. fighting centric show. Yeah, it's like okay, so out of all the characters you could have maybe skimped on the fighting with, you skimped yeah. on a fighting with the character that has to be a kung fu master. Yeah. Uh, it sucked. <laughs> I remember after the Phantom Menace came out, there was like a big push to get Ray Park, uh, who did Darth Maul, to uh, to be uh, Danny Rand for the Iron Fist movie, and then it just never came about. Interesting. But instead, we got the Night of the Flowers from uh, Game of Thrones. Hmm. I don't know. never watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> in retrospect. Well, in retrospect. Yeah, you're definitely in the minority in that one. Well, in retrospect, I'm the one who lucked out in all this. Exactly. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't waste a decade of my life watching a show that was going to blow up in the last season, so we're all good. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, what'd you do? Oh, you, you still... Spend the money on the HBO Now subscription. Ugh. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. All right. Well, I think we'll call that for our episode. I'll go and edit shit out and whatnot. Uh, hopefully, y'all yeah. enjoyed it. And we'll be back here next week with another episode, I believe. Yep. Going on to episode three.